Okay, let's get right to it. Pushing rubber podcast um, number one five two. This is Adam Pickett coming to you from Saudi Arabia. It's the big holiday week here in Saudi, the Eid holiday after the end of Ramadan, which is yesterday. Uh, and yours truly has finally got a few days off from work, which is really really nice. Um, I've been going non-stop for well ever since I got down here, which was six months ago and uh, before that as well, actually months before that. So I hadn't had more than two days off in a row since I got down here. So, and most of the time I was, well, for the first couple of months I was just working seven days a week. So I've had, uh, I'm gonna have three days off on top of the weekend, so a five day weekend, which is just great. And I'll be really honest with you guys, I. I haven't been doing that much. I haven't really left the house. Uh, I've been cooking a lot of good food um, and um, not drinking any wine with it, which is a bit depressing, but it's fine. Um, and some other stuff, I've started, started a project, which I won't talk about, um, because I've found in my life that whenever I uh, disseminate information about a project that I'm on to anyone, then the energy goes out of the project. So. I'm just going to keep this one going and see how it goes, and then um, I might let you guys know about it later on. But um, it's nice to get a bit of creative juices flowing, um, and hopefully I can keep that up. And that's kind of the focus for this uh, little episode. Um, I wrote an article um, a little while ago which was on the subject of discipline I think let me see if I can just find it by the way if you don't know there's a search feature on my blog but you'll only find it if you reduce the window to about half the size of the page and then you'll see the search button and by the way I didn't even know about that myself until about I don't know several months ago someone left a comment on the blog explaining exactly how to search on my own blog which I didn't know about anyway uh, let's put in discipline and see what comes up um, yeah discipline begets <coughs> discipline that's the one that I was thinking of so when did I write this November 25th 2021 oh, so not too long ago um, and basically yeah, I talked about the benefits um, of personal discipline, of cleaning and tidying the house, doing your job properly, you know, just doing it as you go along. And I counted prayer, uh, daily prayer, as a discipline, um, which it is, but... What did I say? My closing article, the, the closing paragraph, the discipline of daily prayer opened me up to discipline in all other areas of my life. I find now that I'm much more relaxed and confident in what I'm doing and who I am. The more discipline that I enjoy, the more I seek to have more discipline in my life, and I cannot now imagine an another way of living. True. So over at Founding Questions, which used to be Rotten Chestnuts, Severian is going through... One day a week, he's doing a chapter of The Way, 
which is the book by the founder of Opus Dei, um, Father Jose Maria Escrivá, uh, a Spanish priest who found his Opus Dei um, during the tumultuous years of the Spanish Revolution or a little bit before that. Um, and Opus Dei, of course, has been discredited in a popular sense by um, the world's worst writer, Dan Brown, um, taking it and using it in his abortions of books. Um, but the way, which is available uh, online, uh, www.escrivaworks.org, it's got the book of the way, and you can read the whole book. And it's in little paragraphs, each chapter, um, and each chapter has a different theme. So, um, Severian is going through this part by part, and chapter two um, is about, uh, I've got guidance here, let's have a look, table of contents, let's make sure I get this right, yeah, so chapter one was character, and chapter two is guidance. Um, so, Severian was breaking this down, in a really, in, by the way, really, um, Nicely done. Um, I like the way that he's um, he's uh, he's interpreting and evaluating these uh, these chapters. And by the way, the chapters are very brief. Like you could read them in you could read a chapter in five minutes or something like that. Um, but that that would just be reading the words to get the meaning and to work through it. Though you're going to have to go back at it again and again and it helps to have someone else who's looking at it which is why I appreciate Severian he's a smart guy and his um, way of looking at things is different a lot of the time than the way that I would so by reading his take on the situation it opens me up to um, interpretations that I um, hadn't considered before so also the, the fact that he's going through it uh, one chapter per week means you get a week to um, digest the chapter and go back to it, maybe reread um, Severian's interpretation. Um, and I'm finding it because when I, when Severian linked to it, I hadn't heard of the book before, so of course I immediately got it and started going bang 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 through the chapters. And I stopped after about four or five chapters because I thought, hang on, this you know this is not like you know throwing down a vanilla milkshake you gotta you gotta approach this step by step so chapter two is on guidance and it's got a lot to do with discipline and order which is what comes into what i'm talking about now um and he starts off the chapter uh jose maria escriba talking about obedience obedience to God, obedience to God's laws, God's covenant, um, and then the fact that you need a good advisor on this earth. Um, he says, chapter, uh, paragraph 60, without an architect you wouldn't build a good house for your life on earth. How then without a director can you hope to build the palace of your sanctification for your eternity in heaven? Um, so you need a director. A director, of course, is your priest. You need to find a good priest. 
which is difficult these days on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's actually, I think it's easier. Because the church, I'm talking about the Catholic church, is fractured and the... Ah, oh, you're kidding me. Excuse me. Hey. Okay, sorry about that. Listen, I would, I would stop this podcast and start again, but I thought that was going all right. And you know what? Uh, the whole, I use Audacity and the whole cut and paste thing on Audacity and working out how it, uh, how it works is um, beyond me at the moment. So as I was saying, um, these days, I think it's easy to find a good priest because the majority of priests have been compromised and corrupted. They lack courage. They lack, they lack uh, spiritual courage and they lack physical courage. Um, I read a thing on Father Z's blog where he was talking about some diocese in, the, in somewhere in, I think, the United States that it looks like they're going, the bishop is going to uh, remove the traditional Latin mass and this is going to be a great tragedy and all the rest of it. Which it is, you know. Um, and Father Z was saying to pray for a softening of hearts of the bishop and the priests who, you know, are making these choices. And I thought, that's that's not it's not a softening of hearts that needs to happen here. And it's not a hardness of hearts that's the problem. It's it's a it's a complete lack of uh, of courage on the part of priests and bishops to stand up to Rome. That's that's exactly what it is. So, in that sense, I think that it's easier to find a good priest because you know where the good priests are. They're the ones who, for the start, are um, presenting the traditional Latin Mass in spite of and in the face of all um, persecutions from the Roman Catholic Church. They're the ones getting on with it day by day. You can find them uh, through many resources online. I've linked to them on my blog <clears throat> many, many times. So I don't think that that's as much of a challenge now as it was in the past. In the past, it would have all been diluted in together. You wouldn't know who was an imposter, who was a Freemason behind the veil, that sort of thing. These days, it's much more cut and dry, which is to our advantage. At we, there are disadvantages today compared to the past, obviously, but I like to look on the the positive aspect of things. So he talks about finding a director, uh, and then we go through and we get to the last two paragraphs. And by paragraphs, I mean paragraph seventy nine is two sentences. It's 
five words. Um, so paragraph 79 is virtue without order, strange virtue. And then the next paragraph, paragraph 80, when you bring order into your life, your time will multiply and then you will be able to give God more glory by working more in his service. So I thought about that. I thought about that. And I, I think I responded to Severian's post. And here's what I said. Um, I like the final two paragraphs of this chapter as pertains to order and how virtue without it is no virtue at all. The more that I have returned to God through prayer, the more order I find that I have in my life. The effort have, of prayer has led to the rise of systematic order. The calmness of order means that I get more things done and that my prayer and work are more effective. I know within myself that if I had merely focused on order, then I would not have had this result. So I wrote in that post article on discipline that discipline begets discipline. discipline. But now as I've written here, it's the discipline of prayer that has promoted order in my life, which is then discipline. I actually work with a young Saudi guy, I think he's in his early 20s, or he's in his early 20s. And he's a good young guy, very, um, a lot to learn, as everyone is at that age. But he said something to me, I don't know, a month or so ago. He, he just said to me, um, he commented to me on the fact that I have such order in my life. And he's never seen my home life or anything like that, so he's talking about work. He said said to me, you always, it's all structured, it's very structured. He said to me, why, why do you do that? And he was genuinely curious. And I hadn't thought about it before, but I, I said to him, well, if everything's in order, then I'm not losing time trying to fix the chaos and I can concentrate on the bigger picture. I can get more work done that way. And it's true. My, my life... My house, everything is neat. Everything is in its place. I think yesterday I was doing some cooking. I cooked, I cooked, um, I put, cooked some bread in the morning, some baked some fresh bread. bread. Um, I then cooked um, my classic bean, Italian bean soup for lunch, which I then had with the bread. And then uh, I had some leftover risotto, shrimp risotto uh, from the night before with saffron that I made arancini um, balls. So you get the, the leftover risotto, needs to be very cold, and you put cheese in the centre of it and you roll it up into a ball and then you dip it in flour and then egg and then breadcrumbs and then you fry them for about six minutes, deep fry them for about six minutes. Great. I think I washed up five times yesterday, five or six times. I was just continually washing things up as I was baking bread or preparing this or preparing that. So that the kitchen was just continually being regenerated, rejuvenated, 
that's not a regenerated, that's not even a word, regenerated, rejuvenated, reno, you know, flushed through so that I could then go to the next thing. I used to be a person back in the day, like only I'd say 10 years ago, where the washing up would accrue and build up until eventually I would be forced to tackle this mountain of, of, uh, of washing up. I think you all know, all know that feeling. Um, and now, of course, I'm completely different in that sense. And everything that I have, the only area of my life where there is a bit of disorder is my desk at work. My desk at work is a, is a work in progress. There's quite a bit strewn across that desk on most occasions, just because there's so much stuff coming across my desk. So, but apart from that, the order in my life helps me to be able to focus on the things that I need to spend my time on. It's a completely... And it, it's, this is the thing, it's not something that I've consciously set about doing. I did not wake up one day and decide I'm going to have more order in my life. No. What happened was that the discipline of daily prayer brought order and discipline into other areas of my life. Simple things. Making the bed after I get up. I get up, I make the bed. It's done. It takes five seconds to make the bed. Not even that. Five or ten seconds. It's done. Bed's made for the rest of the day. I wash my sheets. Same day every week. Yeah. And it's not... It's not about being monotonous or getting into some sort of rut. It's about every day doing the things that you need to do to be able to function in this world at the best of your abilities and capabilities. And here's the, here's the funny thing is I find it more relaxing this way. It's more relaxing mentally it's nice to sit here in my uh, living room slash dining room because it's all one big room uh, talking to you now. Everything is in its place. Things look nice. It's a calming environment to be in. I like it. Um, it also means that physically I know where everything is. I can find things when I need them. I can't imagine a, a different way of doing things now, but I didn't used to be this way. I used to be this way in small windows. For instance, my large collection of books, which is, again, in my life in storage. So many times in my life, I've dragged those books with me all around the world. Really, literally. But they're in storage in the Netherlands now with all the rest of my stuff. But they have always been, when I've had them physically in my possession, they've always been in a very large bookshelf and 
put in nicely, um, not in some sort of horrible color-coded sense. Um, in fact, every time I move to a new place and the books turn up and I put up the bookshelf, because I have a, a bookshelf that an old friend of mine helped me make when I was in Australia about 10 years ago. We went down to the hardware store and bought the wood, bought the lumber, um, and it's basically these long round poles which we then cut holes in the wood and all of the, the shelves slide down these ones and it, and it goes floor to ceiling and then you, you can attach it to the wall and it just looks great and you've got this huge wall of books. I love it. Um, and I still have those shelves. They're in storage as well. Um, so the, the books are something that I've always had some order of in and then the rest of the you know rest of my life would be a bit of a mess a bit of a disaster um and a bit of a disaster too in how i was approaching things finances were another good example of that my finances in the past um were very haphazard i mean completely chaotic so there was a period in my life in Italy in the mid-2000s where I think things got so chaotic with my finances that I refused to open my letterbox for about six months or so because I thought, if I don't look, then maybe it won't be so bad. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't such a good idea. And it's no way to live because you have this underlying dread and malaise at what's going to happen, what's going on. Um, not a good place to be. But what I'm saying though is, is that you don't get to this place without virtue. And that's what, that's what uh, Jose Maria says in, his, uh, in this chapter, in chapter 2, let's have a look at it again. Virtue, here we go, virtue without order, strange virtue. So that's interesting. So he's saying that without order, you can't become virtuous. So I think the, for me at least, the journey is Prayer, daily prayer, the discipline of prayer, which begets order, which one then hopes leads eventually to virtue. That, that is your goal. And as he then goes on to say, when you bring order into your life, your time will multiply because you have less chaos in your life and then you'll be able to give God more glory by working more in his service. By being virtuous, you are working towards the glory of God. Daily prayer is extremely important, the discipline of daily prayer. And by the way, everything is practice in your life. Like I'm an excellent guitarist. Well, it took me years of practice to become an excellent guitarist. I speak Italian. It took me two or three years of study to get to the point where I became fluent in Italian. Prayer 
has to be exactly the same. You need practice at prayer to become skilled at it. Just like anything else, if not more so. So if you're sitting down with your brand new guitar and you've never learned to play the guitar before, you're not going to expect to be Julian Bream or Jimi Hendrix when you pick it up for the first time. That would be a little bit unrealistic of you. Perhaps your parents hadn't given you proper expectations of life. But perhaps with prayer we sit down and we think that automatically we're going to be on some higher level and when it's not happening we throw it away. Because the journey on the guitar or something similarly physical is easy to measure. It's very quantitative in that sense that you can compare your results, your skills, your output to other people and know exactly where you are. You don't even have to do that. You can just compare yourself to the, the piece of music that you are attempting to play, to learn. There you go. There's your measure. But with prayer, where's your measure? Ah, this is different. Because playing the guitar is a physical thing. It's of the world. It's of the body. You can take it to another level, but at the base level, it's definitely of this world. But prayer is spiritual. So now you're trying to grow in a different way. So how do you measure yourself? Well, now let's go back to the start of the chapter where he says, the priest Jose Maria says that you need you need a director, you need a guide. Yeah? So you don't go astray. That's the point. I'm sitting down in Saudi Arabia, so I don't have a director at the moment. The priest that I was um, spending time with is back in the Netherlands. And I'm not the type to email this sort of stuff back and forth. But I get inspiration from uh, some of the writers that I read um, in our little corner of the internet. And so I think that, for me at least, this, um, this book and Severian's interpretation of each chapter is a very rewarding thing. It's funny how when you're journeying through life, if you're open to it, when you need to make the next step on the journey, it falls into your lap if your eyes are open and you're open to it. And this little book, I think, The Way, is just what I needed to prod me along on that next line. I like how things work that way. You might hear in the background now the Muslim call to prayer. So that's going on now. And they do it at five different times a day. And I don't mind it. I think I've said this before and I've said it to people on the podcast, but I've said it to people that I meet. What, what do you think of living in Saudi, all of the Islamic stuff? I like it. I like the fact that they are um, serious about their religion. It gives me more impetus to be more serious about my own. In that sense, 
it's an inspirational thing. Coming from the Netherlands, where I spent four and a half years, probably one of the most atheist, modernist countries I've spent time in, to Saudi Arabia, which obviously is almost um, medieval in comparison in its religious uh, intensity, it's a nice, it's a nice change. So that was the podcast for today. We'll call this the order episode. Um, sorry about that little phone call there and break in the in the middle, but I'm not going to try and go back and I'm not doing this as some sort of grand production. I'm just belting these out, you know. Um, shout outs to Aaron Clary, Captain Capitalism. He's got a new book out which he sent me and I am about a third of the way through it and I'll do a review on that. Um, but his book is called bum, 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 Being the Menu, Life Without the Opposite Sex, which hilariously reached number one, I think, in feminist uh, book things on Amazon. Um, so check him out at cap captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. I should have a review up of the menu within a few weeks. Uh, I'm taking my time going through it. Um, and uh, we'll see how that goes. So, yeah, this is um, episode 152. Thanks for listening. And uh, you guys take care of yourselves. And hopefully I'll talk to you again in a week so I can keep these things moving on. Ah, oh, of course, please check out my books, Pushing Rubber Downhill, which is a story about how Adam went from blue pill to red pill. And Run Guts Pull Cones, A Rafting Adventure in the Italian Alps, which is uh, my little take on living in Italy. And uh, I'm quite fond of that book. Check those out. You can get them uh, on Amazon. You can get it from your local bookstore. Go down and order it. They'll get it in for you. Dead tree copy. Dead tree copies are the best. <coughs> because uh, we never know when they're going to take down these internets on us. You never know that at all. So... If you want to get a copy, I recommend a dead tree copy. All right, that's it for now. Ciao, ciao.